0: Welcome to the Senior Story Hour, where we share poems, stories, and observations of life written by the Franklin Senior Center Writers Group. I'm Peter Jay.
1: I'm Sue Wade. Join us now as we share and enjoy musings and moments as told by the authors themselves.
0: So Sue, let's meet our writers
2: today. I'm Faith Flaherty. Hi, I'm Joe Ewald. I'm Alice Judge.
3: I'm Carol Belcher. I'm Kathy
4: Salzberg. I'm Sue Bliven.
5: I'm William Wiley.
4: I'm Sue Wade.
0: Okay, Sue, just like last week, I'm sure we've got another great lineup, so why don't we just dive
2: right in.
1: We have a great lineup again this week, Um, starting off with Faith Flaherty.
2: Hi, I'm Faith Flaherty. My refrigerator is the title of this short, short story. It's weird, definitely weird. I'll step out and even call it a modern era phenomenon. I know I'm not the only one. Most people have one and do it too. If not, they know many people who do. I'm talking about the refrigerator, specifically the door of my refrigerator. My refrigerator door is a collage of, well, I don't know how to pinpoint its focused. It's family Personal, silly things, reminders, etc. I guess I'll describe it as a personal memoir slash note slash calendar slash family album. The front has family pictures, postcards, medical appointments, grandchildren's art, holy cards, an obituary, the Patriots and Bruins schedules, a bottle opener, school photos, etc. One side has a calendar, medical appointment cards, emergency phone numbers, and extra magnets. The other side kisses a wall, likewise the back. Too bad, that's wasted space. Many years ago, the thought occurred to me that all that paraphernalia on the refrigerator was a mess. So I took everything off, and the door and the side were washed clean. My children were young then and freaked out. Ma, it's creepy. It's scary. The refrigerator looks dead. I can't take my eyes off its nakedness. I can't get used to it. No one needed to worry. In no time at all, it was soon filled with new children's artworks, greeting cards, favorite sayings, newspaper clippings, and favorite photos of all we knew and loved. What can I say? Do you think all that stuff defines me? Am I an eclectic individual, or a nutcase? The top of the refrigerator does have a lineup of crackers, goldfish, Ritz, saltines, potato chips, and all within easy reach. Hiding behind them are some of the grandchildren's verboten, scissors, scotch tape, candy, and gum. If the outside of my refrigerator defines me, just wait until I describe the contents inside But I think I'll leave that for another day.
0: Observation. Your refrigerator? That was Pinterest before Pinterest was cool.
1: (laughs) Our next reader is going to be Joe Ewald.
6: Hi, I'm Joe Ewald. The name of my story is Different Shades of White. When some of us think of shades, we automatically think they're for windows. But if we want to dig a little deeper, the word shade was a term used by Charles Dickens in the story A Christmas Carol. Dickens used shade to describe Jacob Marley as he appeared to Scrooge in a transparent form as he had died the day before. Another ghost of an idea is the famous comic book character Casper the Ghost. These two examples are fictional shades of white, both different. One was a transparent spirit, and the other one looks like a bed sheet with eyes and a nose cut out. Now let's try to see if shades really do exist in a non-fictional form. Strongest example that I have is my sister who died before I was born. She was only two and a half years old when she passed from leukemia. A month or two had gone by when my two oldest brothers, Bill and Barry, were sleeping in bunk beds. When she suddenly appeared to them, she was a bright light dressed in a flowing white gown as if she might be an angel from God. They both did not realize that the other one had seen my sister until years later. Another shade of white is when I experienced myself. These examples are a little on the dark side. One time I had found my Bible thrown on the floor on the other side of the room. I did not think it was a sign from God. (laughs) Also, there was a shade in my closet 24-7. Even when the sun went down, it was still there. It even moved at times to let me know it was there. This was a room I had rented at the YMCA in Portland, Maine. The other inhabitants there also had their own encounters of shades in their rooms. The last shade I am going to tell you about occurred in a house that was rented by one of my older brothers who had seen my sister years before. It happened one night on the Jersey Shore when everybody that was sleeping in the house heard a very loud scream. Coming from my niece's bedroom, she had seen an image of an elderly lady who had once lived on the premises many years ago. The best way to conclude my story is to recite the preface of A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. I have endeavored in this ghostly little book to raise the ghost of an idea which shall not put my readers Out of humor with themselves, with each other, with the season, or with me. May it haunt their houses pleasantly, and no one wish to lay it. Their faithful friend and servant, C.D., December 1843.
3: And now our next reader is Alice Judge. This incident happened to me a while ago, but it's such a happy memory that I needed to write about it. The story is called The Gray House. I thought it strange that my rental agent and his assistant were standing in the middle of the Pebble parking area where I had rented a one-bedroom apartment for the first week in July. But nobody could have ruined my high spirits that hot summer day. I was in my favorite place... Along the coast of Maine, I would relax, soak up some sun, go to the quaint shops, and have fun. My daughter had accompanied me up as driver, and as we wondered why the two were there, they hesitatingly walked over, peering in the driver's window. In a nervous voice, the realtor said, We had rented your apartment to an attorney and his 17-year-old son for the summer, with the exception of a few weeks, one of which was yours. He paused, evidently wanting me to take in all that he had said. I didn't reply, wondering what he would say next. He continued, When the cleaning lady went to clean the apartment and prepare for your arrival, the teen told her he was there for the summer and not to bother. She unfortunately did not check back with me, he said. Was that sweat on his brow from the hot day or from anxiety? When my assistant and I came today to inspect your place, we were upset to see the unit totally trashed. Apparently, the son threw a party last night. He then told me there were only two rentals available in the town due to the July 4th holiday. I could take a studio in the same apartment as the unit I was supposed to occupy. Or there was a place at Tea Kettle Lane. I couldn't believe what I heard. Tea Kettle Lane was in my favorite part of town, close to the ocean and quaint shops that I loved. Excited, I didn't say anything to him, but clued my daughter in. We all walked through the studio apartment, making sure we appropriately spent time noting every detail. Then said it was too small. We drove to the other place. The gray house, as the realtor referred to it, was at a cul-de-sac on a short street. The agent looked like he was in pain, lest I not decide on this house. He need not have worried. A sunroom greeted us as we walked into the house. It connected to a living room. There was a galley kitchen with a half-bath in back of the staircase going to the second floor. Continuing through the first floor, there was another small room, "'which took us into a TV room. "'As everyone climbed the stairs, the rental agent assured me, "'the house would be a swap for the apartment at no additional cost to me. "'The rent on this place is $1,200 a week,' he said. "'I thought of the $550 apartment I almost had, "'and it appeared I had gone to heaven. "'But I hadn't seen the biggest surprise yet.' There was a large master bedroom complete with a full bath, including a claw tub. Off to the right was my own private sun deck where I could see the ocean peeking out beyond the trees. The week was surreal with friends and family coming up to enjoy my good luck. The TV room had a pull-out couch and outside my bedroom was a room accommodating too. So there was plenty of room for my family and their friends. Sitting on my private deck enjoying iced tea, looking directly in the face of the ocean, was incredible. But I must admit, after a couple of days, I settled in and took my good fortune in stride. At the end of the week, it was tough to say goodbye to the gray house. The realtor was still apologizing when I'd returned the house keys. I was getting tired of his belaboring the point. He gave me my security deposit back. Most times the money is sent to the renter after place is inspected. He said the attorney and his son had lost theirs. I returned to the Gray House for several years after that. Then I spent three years renting the house next to it, the White House as it was called. It was smaller, but it had a screened-in porch. I often go back in my mind to that week in Maine. Everything had been perfect, and each step of my adventure had flowed smoothly into a miraculous resolution.
0: Uh, What town was this again in Maine?
3: Agonquit, Maine.
0: Agonquit, oh, very nice. We like Agonquit.
3: Well, my husband and I and the kids, when in 1988, had discovered Perkins Cove. We were at um, Wells. Uh, and for for a weekend, I think, and we took a ride, and I discovered Perkins Cove. And I was just mesmerized and thrilled by the cute shops and the marginal way that the uh, mile and a quarter that you walk around the ocean. I loved the ocean crashing against the rocks. And um, I was hooked. And during that time in the interim, uh, we went up to Perkins Cove a lot. My husband was uh, chronically ill, but he was very patient with me uh, uh, in that uh, he thought it was boring. But I thought it was great having taken care of my husband like I did. And I just loved uh, the seashore and the quaint little shops and, and walking. It's been a while since I've been there. I have to do something about that.
1: Our next reader is Carol Belter. My story
7: is titled, The Junk Pile. One Friday evening, the kids and I were discussing the pros and cons of yard sales. Why don't we have one, asked Joan. I don't know, I replied, it's an awful lot of work. Let's do it next Saturday, Sue said, excitement in her voice, we'll help. So I got a permit and printed up some flyers. The girls posted the fires everywhere they could. We all worked industriously all week, sorting and spiffing up old toys and treasures the girls had outgrown. We tackled the attic and cellar together. What a lot of stuff. We all were very careful not to touch Dad's things. He was busy and wouldn't be available on Saturday. We rose early on sale day and put out tables and racks and spent two hours just lugging stuff out and trying to separate light goods and display the nicer items. Dad got up and was ready for his golf game. On his way out, he wanted to know what the pile of junk was doing out by the street. Just a little yard sale, said Joan. We'll have it all picked up before I get home. Looks like a damn pile of junk to me. The first cars arrived before we even had all the goods out. People started picking through everything and asking questions. I was the answerer of questions, and the girls kept things neat and sorted. The day grew warm, and Sue made us lemonade and cookies. As time flew by, the customers kept coming. Our stock grew thin. We cut prices in half so we wouldn't have much left over to take to the landfill. At 5 o'clock, we were cleaning up the leftovers, and I counted the cash I had taken in. We had made $412. Wow. Dad arrived home to find the pile of junk gone. He didn't ask, and we didn't tell him how much we made. The girls and I had a lot of fun that summer spending our junk money.
0: Yes, there's no money like found money, <laughs> whether it's in the couch or in the junk or anywhere else.
1: That was very good. Our next reader is Kathy Salzberg.
8: This story was ghostwritten by my French bulldog. He is no longer with me. I like to think that he's in doggy heaven, but I can't be sure of that. He was quite an unforgettable character. My name is Rolly Roland is my real name. I'm a French bulldog, and I work at the Village Groomer. Kathy, my owner, also refers to me as Cutie Patootie, Stud Muffin, and Devil Boy. Right now, I don't particularly share her joie de vivre. I'm fed up with being the class clown around here. You may think I'm spoiled rotten and I should get a real problem. You probably get appeals from humane organizations every day asking for money, pictures of pathetic pooches with hangdog faces, bald patches, and bony butts. If y'all like my owner, you're a sucker for these sad sacks, too. Like her, you probably need to dab your eyes while you drop everything to whip out your checkbook. That's just dandy, but in my humble opinion, charity begins at home. Don't get me wrong, I'm not belittling their plight. I feel for those poor flea-bitten urchins who only know how to beg and breed. But think for a moment of my situation. I get less respect than Rodney Dangerfield. See the silly Uncle Sam hat? My owner puts it on me every summer and parades me around the shop to celebrate the 4th of July. Customers guffaw as they gawk at me. Little kids point at me and scream with delight. I feel like the main attraction in a freak show. At Christmas, she makes me wear those stupid antlers on my head. At Easter, it's the bunny ears. On customer appreciation day, it was that beanie with the propeller on top, and she wonders why I'm moody. After six years in this job, you'd think I would have developed a thicker skin towards the insults I'm subjected to. He's so homely, he's cute. Look at those ears. He looks like he's about to take off. Is that a dog or a pot-bellied pig? Actually, I'm rather rare. I'm far less common than a poodle, golden retriever, or a lab. But to my mind, such ignorance on the part of the public is inexcusable. No, I'm not a Boston Terrier on steroids or a pug born with deformed ears. I'm not part dog and part frog. And I'm not a boxer whose legs were cut off. If you take the time to study the French Bulldog standard, you'll see that I am an extremely handsome example of my breed, fawn with a black mask and built like a brick. Well, you know. My owner bought me because she heard Frenchies were so lovable and docile. That one still tickles my funny bone. In reality, there are some things that do tick me off. I'll list them so you can broaden your knowledge. Big dogs who are handsome, they think they own the world. I hate it when they call me shorty. I love to back right up in their faces. I can pass wind at will. (laughs) Poodles, I can't help myself. I love to rip their bows off. Waiting to go out, if I've given my owner the anxious stare, circled a few times, and I'm still being ignored... I figured she's been warned and let the chips or drips fall where they may. But I'm not a total bore. I only lift my leg when no one's looking. Getting my nails cut. I can work my way out of any muzzle, but that stupid Elizabethan collar just makes me lose my marbles. I love it when customers in the front room hear my screams and demand to know, what are they doing to that poor little dog? Anal glands. Let's not even go there. Trust me, it would be far safer to stick your hand in a tank full of piranhas that skipped lunch and breakfast. Being ignored. My owner loves to do several things at once, running off at the mouth the whole time. Sometimes I have to resort to my Stephen Tyler scream to get her attention. Timeouts. I spend more time in the penalty box than the Boston Bruins. My housemate, a Goody Two Shoes golden retriever named Peaches, never gets banished to her crate, for her life is just one cookie after another. But she does have her good points. She makes one heck of a pillow. Being called Kitty, my owner's daughter Missy thinks this one is a real laugh riot. She also owns Poodles. On the other hand, here are some things that make my Frenchie heart beat faster. Shoelaces. I can untie a double knot in under a minute. Can you? I love to make the groomers limp around the shop while I'm hanging off their shoes. Little kids and senior citizens. It scares the bejeepers out of them when I snort and sniff them. When they back away asking, does he bite? I always smile and show them all my teeth. Not to brag, but I happen to have a double row. Socks. I love to help Kathy do laundry. I'm fast as lightning when it comes to sock snatching. My teeth lock just like a pit bull's, so trying to pull them out of my mouth is a waste of time. Lucky for her, I have a short attention span and can be easily distracted by freeze-dried liver cubes. Doing the butt dance, I can spin on my tail with all four feet in the air I like to do this while my owner is drinking her coffee so I can watch it squirt out of her nose. (coughs) Sunbathing. I'm like a turtle. My favorite spot is the middle of the picnic table. The only drawback is when that nosy neighbor pipes up with, why don't you put an apple in his mouth and throw him on the spit? This guy thinks he's a comedian. I can't wait to dig up his daffodils. (laughs) Couch time. I love to snuggle up with my owner and watch movies. My favorites have been Must Love Dogs and The Truth About Cats and Dogs. I wasn't too crazy about 101 Dalmatians. I hated those spotted show-offs. To tell the truth, I was rooting for Cruella DeVille. That's it for now. I gotta run. It seems my owner never learns. Ever the optimist. She went out and bought another dog training book, So while she's out of the room, I've got to find it and chew it up.
0: I will not mess with your dog. I will be nice to your dog. I will befriend your dog.
1: That was great for anybody that's a pet owner. They
4: will appreciate it. Next is Sue Blevin. Hi, I've been a horse trainer and riding instructor in the Franklin area for over 45 years. And the last two lesson horses I have, I wrote a couple of poems about them. They passed away, Cassie in 2011 and Speedy in 2014. They were both 30 years old. And a lot of people out here have ridden them and learned about riding and learned about horsemanship. So I'm hoping that some people will hear this and remember them. So this first one is about Cassie. She was a Appaloosa, redhead, and had a nice attitude about people. She just wished they didn't exist. But anyways, I never thought you would live this long with your tiny hooves and delicate bone, such a big horse on pony legs and feet to gallop and jump at shows so brightly you shone. A champion you were on the trail or in the ring, carrying a child or timid adult. You'd pin your ears to scare them away. But soon they'd learn the sweet girl you really were. But now, your back is swayed, your muzzle grayed. Legs buckle, how long will they hold you? As you spend your last days with your small, mini-horse friend. Huh, get the old saddle out. Polished and clean. Antique? Not really. Walk to the stall. You see it. Ears pin. Eyes glare. Teach. Teach. Teeth clench. Just kidding. And walk away. Retirement, good. That was Cassie. And everybody would know she taught many people how to ride well. And here's Speedy. He's a little gray Arabian gelding. And he passed in 2014, age of 30. Sweet and gentle. Silly and spooky. Misunderstood past. Treated wrongly. Someone so sweet the world told was vicious just so scared and confused so not malicious registered arabian gray and so typey head up tail up let's run our heart out raised far from the woods deer are so terrible yet drop my head and calmly we travel children can groom me for hours on end yet take to the trails and the miles seem to blend i'll take the bit from your hand annuals see from dressage to pleasure it's all the same to me i'm true to my heritage the proud horse of the desert bred to be gentle intelligent and brave the stamina i have to go on forever dust mud and mountains all taken in stride i'm speedy the lesson horse so happy such pride thank you that was very good
1: Our next reader is William Wiley.
5: This this is the Beatle poem I wrote with uh, the song titles in it. Some of you may not know all the songs, but that's okay. It's called uh, The Beatles Are the Best. The Beatles are the best. This I can't deny. One of my favorite songs is called No Reply. The years 64 and 65. My youth I do recall. Another song I like is Anytime at All. For himself, Paul wrote Another Day. He also wrote a great one called Yesterday. My love for the Beatles is true. I'm happy just to dance with you. The Beatles make me feel all right. Their first movie was A Hard Day's Night. My arms are open wide. Let's go for a ticket to ride. My love for the Beatles will stand. I just want to hold your hand. The Beatles make me feel so good. John wrote Norwegian Wood. My love for the Beatles won't roam. See you when I get home. I love the Beatles you see. I think we'll just let it be.
0: And they love you, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: that was very good. It takes talent to be able to ins- put all the titles in as you're writing. And I, last but not least is my story about the dancing flowers. Uh, dancing Flowers. I stand tall in the garden on a warm spring day. A gentle breeze blows through my hair, my petals slowly dancing around as I celebrate the day. Soft white puffy clouds transform into light gray, then turn dark and threatening a thunderstorm approaches. The soft breeze has become a strong wind. My dancing changes into a wild gyration as the storm increases. Now I'll bend to touch my feet, then reach for the sky. The dance of the flowers can be gentle and graceful or wild and exhausting. The music of the wind determines the rhythm of my dance. The rain falls, feeding and bathing, me in the refreshing water. Soon the sun returns, encompassing me in a warm glow. Refreshed and revived, I'm ready to dance once more.
0: Sue, that was really nice. Seems like we're ratcheting up our poetry this week. For our writers today, Faith Flaherty, Joe Ewald, Alice Judge, Carol Belcher, Kathy Salzberg, Sue Bliven, William Wiley, and of course, Sue Wade. Thanks for being with us. Look forward to having you join us again next time on Senior Story Hour. If you would like to join the Senior Center Story Hour, just call the Senior Center at 508-520-4945. Thanks for being with us here on Senior Story Hour and sharing in today's stories. For all of today's writers, I'm Peter J. Remember, be they laced with gravity, levity, wisdom, or whimsy, the meaningful experiences of life become a little larger when you share them, when you take a moment to commit pen to paper
2: and just write.